Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father Son Packers podcast. My name is Tommy, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing all right. We've had a few episodes of activity that we haven't been able to see it in person, and now we are entering the true desert of the off season. The desert of all off seasons, in my opinion, because what? No hockey, no basketball. Hockey just ended last night. Basketball ended what two nights ago, and no football no for football. So we got forty-one days. No college football. It's just regular. Somebody season. else was like, no Premier League. Yep. No it's regular. Just, it's just regular just baseball. season baseball, and it's all we got. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean we don't have football to talk about because football is 365 days a year, in my opinion, even in the doldrums. So we are still going to be here. And we can invent content any day of the year. 100%. And we do often, all the time. (laughs) We're very good at it, or at least we'd like to think so. But anyway, so we're still going to be bringing you- In our, in our, in our own minds. Yes. We're we're still going to be bringing you an episode a week, every single week until the season starts. And then we'll be doing two a week like we always do. If you like the content you hear, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We post when we have new episodes. We retweet uh, articles we find interesting, pieces of news, uh, keep you up to date on everything Packers, um, help promote other great creators that we particularly like and think that good, like Packers fans would enjoy reading and hearing from and become more educated in doing so uh, about football. And if you really like what you hear, come subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts, you can find us. You can even find us on YouTube. We post all of our episodes there. So if you subscribe to us there, that'd really help our numbers and we'd appreciate it. But dad, so like you said, we are pretty much in the dog days of football. So not a whole lot of news items to get to, although there are a couple here. Speaking of dog days, great song at the end of uh, Guardians 3. You're like a month late on this. You, it took you so long to get. It's because I was a month late one. watching the movie. That's what I'm saying. Is it took you a month a month too long to go see that movie? Your your references are as dated as always. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that could be much more dated than that. I'm sure I'll have something to say about Spider Verse Two in another month. Oh, that quickly. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about some Packers news, though. Um, the first news item is Adrian Amos has officially signed with the Jets, um, continuing the great migration eastward of many Packers. I think we're up to eight former Packers on the Jets. I think that's what I saw today. You know, yeah, so we got Rogers, Rogers Lazard, Lazard, Cobb, Turn, no, um, Billy Turner, Malik Billy Taylor. Turner, Malik Taylor. Okay, tell you, Malik Taylor, not Malik Turner. Billy Turner, Malik Taylor, Hackett. Boyle, seven, and Amos, eight. And Amos, eight. That makes eight. But yeah, so there were a lot of people who thought that that might be someone the Packers might be open to a reunion with. Um, I think even Gudikin said the door wasn't shut there. But now the door is officially shut as he signs that deal with the Jets, presumably to be their starter um, at safety. You know, uh, good for him. Uh, He had a bit of a down year last year, but he was a very good Packer while he was here. Um, beyond that, also uh, other former Packers in the news, Chris Barnes signing with the Cardinals. Uh, good to see him kind of getting back, uh, getting another spot, even if it is with a team that might not be the most successful next year. Maybe he'll have a lot of playing time. Beyond that. a chance to uh, show what he can do on a team that needs players. Yeah, that's true. Although they don't really need linebackers because they have multiple first-round picks that they already don't really play. But anyway... Maybe he could play. Sure, he could play QB. This is not a this is not a Cardinals <laughs> podcast. But anyway, um, in terms of minicamp, uh, we've had minicamp uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and then tomorrow is going to be kind of a just go have fun type day. It sounds like uh, Lafleur said that the team is in the best uh, physical shape that he's seen as his with his time under the Packers in terms of just like cardio etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, and so they're giving them thursday off which they often do most teams do they have thursdays like a team building thing and we're going to talk yep. all about i haven't today. heard whether it's like paintball or it's been paintball. it's been be. bowling in the past it's usually something like that but we're going to talk today as we're kind of wrapping up the off season we are going to talk each about five things that we found most interesting from the off season practices whether that's otas um mini camp or even rookie um or rookie camp. Um, beyond that, though, we are first going to talk just a little bit about attendance uh, today. Um, so 
going to talk a little bit about minicamp attendance and then not do as deep of a dive into the actual individual practice today as we usually do because we're going to talk about some more wider spread things from practice to practice. But today and yesterday, um, in terms of attendance, uh, perfect attendance, um, except for a couple players who were uh, excused for personal reasons, and that were those were Tarverius Moore, uh, the safety, and Matt Orzek, the presuma- presumably the starting long snapper. Um, and then other players not practicing due to injury, and these were from Ryan Wood and Rob Domovsky on Twitter. Uh, players not practicing because of injury, Dolan Levitt, Eric Stokes, Rashawn Gary, Jake Hansen, Tyler Davis, Grant DeBose, Chris Slayton. Um, and so those, in addition to Moore and Orzek, were not practicing, but everyone else was participating in these minicamp practices, which are mandatory, unlike OTAs. Um, so those were the main pieces of news for the Packers. Um, Dad, should we get into the our more interesting things from practice, or do you want to talk a little bit about some some Bears <laughs> smack talk that we've received from just I don't Justin Jones, defensive tackle. Justin from the Jones, Bears. a player I'd never heard of before. Before the other day, so like, hear a lot of the jokes like who? It's like no, yeah. literally, I hadn't heard of this guy. Um, defensive tackle for the Bears, and well, it's the season for the Bears to feel good about themselves. It's you that mean time the off of season? Year. The off season, exactly. It's, it's the best. It's the best time of year. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, rivals should talk smack, but of course, you got to be able to take it. Yep. When it comes back, it hits you in the face, and which we'll, we'll... more often than not, it comes back and hits the Bears in the face. Yeah, and we'll see, you know. Maybe they'll be better this year. History says probably not. I mean, we'll see. I, I, you know, I, I think I'll, I will go out on a limb and say they will be better than they were last year. It would be hard to be worse. Three wins <laughs> that's, is the line. That, that, that's how far out on a limb I will go. It really makes me think, though, what is their over-under win total this year? Theirs is seven and a half. I, same as the Packers, I think it's like, which it's is pretty interesting. Same as the Packers. Like, yeah, I'd take that bet. That yeah. The Packers have more wins than the Bears. I mean, it, I think most of that comes down to the unknown of Jordan Love, which is, you know, yeah, it's fair. We don't, we haven't seen him play much. It's reasonable, but we have seen the Bears play. So exactly, it's all I'm what, you, Where's that seven and a half coming from? Yeah, they've added something, but uh, I, I people think, who think just, that they might win the division is like, is everybody, is every other team going to win five games? I mean, I think that mostly comes from lack of confidence. I don't think I think that's mostly lack of confidence in the other three teams than anything, because it's like okay, like. The Lions were pretty good last year, but still Jared Goff. The Vikings won a billion one-score games last year. They're going to regress. And, the and obviously, have... the, the Vikings front office had no faith in the makeup of last year's team. Oh, yeah. They're blowing that thing up. You see, they might yep. trade Daniil Hunter. I saw he's like was this talk. He was like asking for a trade or they might trade him. And yeah, it's like just, yeah, they're, just, give, and just get rid of everybody. The other was uh, – It looks like they're getting rid of everybody except Justin Jefferson. That's – you know, that's what I would do. <laughs> Seems yep. like a good idea. Um, beyond that, though, but yeah. So it's always good to have smack talk and rivalries, though. I think it's good for the sport. <laughs> I think it's good for – you know, it's good for the Packers, too, you know. Hey, no no such thing as bad press. The more, more people talk about us, the better, you know. Um, and I understand maybe some some people thinking the, the Bears might be better this year. I would be surprised. Um, I have some several friendly wagers with some some friends uh, <laughs> about who who is going to win more games this year, but we'll we'll keep those off the air. Uh, beyond that, though, Dad, do you want to start talking about what we have found most interesting from these offseason practices so far? Sure, I think we could talk about you know our impressions or where we think who's looking good, who's standing out. Um, yeah, should we so, like, should we take turns? Uh, you want to go? Yeah, we'll go every other. And I just want to kind of give us a little bit of lead in here. This was really freeform. Um, as the practices wind to a close, we kind of just wanted to talk about our main takeaways from the series of practices because, you know, we have what is it? Forty-one days until training camp starts. The first practice is not till July twenty-fifth. So these are just kind of some things to keep in your mind and think about as you think about the upcoming Packers season. They can be anything from like how a certain player looked to how a player's being deployed to what coaches are saying about certain players, et cetera, et cetera. I haven't really seen your five yet, and I don't know if you've seen a whole lot of my five yet, maybe just a peek here or there. But we're kind of just, these are things that kind of gave us pause or kind of made us interested or we have questions about. And, you know, just going to kind of chat about them here as we wrap up the off season pretty much i i can i think the training camp is part of the real season in my opinion it's not really off season to me right i don't think um, they call it off season anymore it's just yeah it's just the next season 
Yeah. But, Dad, do you want to start us off with your uh, first thing that you found interesting from these series of practices? Okay, so so the first thing that caught my mind is the offensive line battle. Um, Particularly, let's start with the right tackle. It seems like Zach Tom and Josh Nyman are alternating as the starting right tackle, depending on the practice. So Tom started with the ones in the first minicamp practice yesterday, as we're recording this. And Nyman started with the ones in the second minicamp practice today. Those are I got both those uh, from Andy Herman. I think Ryan Wood may have confirmed some of those uh, alignments as well. They also switched off who was starting in the OTAs that were open to the media as well, with Tom getting two starts with the, with the ones and Nyman getting one start in the three OTA um, practices that were open to the media. So that's kind of interesting. So that seems to be very fluid. Um, and, and they're both actually, I think in each practice, they're both kind of rotating in with the, with the first group. It's just a matter of who gets the first turn with the first group. I mm-hmm. think um, so. That, so I think this particular battle is the least settled on the offensive line, as opposed to the rest. Which you know, despite comments at the beginning of off season about how the battles for center, you know, right guard and right tackle were all kind of up in the air, it really like Myers has started at center in every open practice, and Runyon at right guard as well. Um, to be like the first per- person up with the ones. Tom has taken some snaps as the number two center, particularly I think when when Yash was in at right tackle. Um, and and even Sean Ryan has got a few reps at center. Um, yeah, but none with the ones. None with the ones. Um, right. They're just this is you know the Sean Ryan thing with the at center is one of those Orrin Burks as an edge rusher scenario. In, in my personal opinion. I don't know if you feel the same way. Is it more Oren Burks as an edge rusher or James Looney as a tight end? Which is, which is it <laughs> more? Because well, if they switch ride levels. to a tight end, if, we switch, if they switch ride to a tight end, then we'll know. There's levels to this because I, I do think so. I think it's it's a bit telling that they spent a third-round pick on Ryan last year. They had a lot of flux at the guard spots when you look at Jake Hansen and Royce Newman getting a lot of play at guard. Um, early in the season, and the fact last, that in the preseason and then in the first couple of weeks of the season, yeah, of last year, and and Ryan didn't even touch the field, didn't even sniff the field, wasn't you know, even active. And to to just like listeners, what that means, I don't know how much you paid attention to the preseason and, and training camp last year, but the story out of training camp last year was like this is the best defensive line ever. They're just killing it. They're crushing that offensive line. You know why? Because Royce Newman was at tackle and Jake Hansen was at guard. And they still couldn't get Sean Ryan in the lineup. Yeah. Couldn't even get Sean Ryan in the active. Like, he wouldn't, wasn't even the top 48 players. Like, he, he was not even dressed for games. It's, it was not great. Um, but, yes, yeah, so that's was what I think. He sh- was barely a step above Jonathan Ford Yeah, in his activity in games. Yeah, and that was... And here's the, like that, and the other part from the O line, just to go back away from Sean Ryan for a second, is um, for the offensive line. I think the the thing that I find interesting. So two things I want to ask you about very quickly. So it seems that right tackle is the most up for grabs. I would say to me, center is the one that I have the next biggest question marks about. I understand them wanting to get. Josh My- like they want Josh Myers to win that job and I understand that you spent a second round pick on him. Are you at all surprised that we have Myers taking snaps at center? We have Tom taking snaps at center. We don't have Elton taking any snaps at center given the fact that he was a starting center in college for multiple years. Now Tom was as well, but are you at all surprised that we're not seeing any Elton at center? A little, I suppose, uh, though. They, maybe they just said that they want to just settle Elton into left guard and make and as I think as Bakhtiari or Elton said, we want to be the best left side of the line in the league. And maybe like having that set up for um, Jordan Love's blind side is the path they're taking. I do feel like I kind of feel better about the quality of play they're going to get at right tackle, whether it's Tom or Yash Diamond, than the comfort I have at center 
based on Myers' play last year. I think both Tom and Nyman were better in their snaps last year at tackles than Myers was at center. I agree. I actually I hadn't thought of it like that, but that's a good valid point, and I think I 100% agree. I think that last year, once we got down to Bakhtiari, Elton, Myers, Runyon, whoever was at right tackle, I would say consistently, my feeling at least, just watching the games was that center was the shakiest position. And yep. I, it's it's kind of... I was going to say, it's like, well, he's only a second-year player. It's like, well, Tom's only a first-year player, so it's like, can't really make yeah. that excuse. Um, center's a complicated position. It's probably one of the hardest ones to adapt to going from um, college to the pros because you got to know all the protections, and especially when you're working with Rodgers when he's changing everything at the line all the time. There's probably <laughs> How a am I big... supposed to see those finger signals when you're standing at my butt? <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, it's like when... It, when you have that big of like a like a heavy mental load, I could see like being a step slow to spots and that being a problem. Um, we'll see if like another year in the system. I would say, I mean, he's only played like nineteen games, right? Like something like that, where it's yeah. It's, did he have a stretch of like ten missed games or something? It was, first, he had the finger problem, and then he had the knee injury. He I had, forget what his second injury was. He had some kind of leg injury. Yeah, finger the, and then uh, knee. He has played twenty three games. So he only played six games. as only played six as a rookie and then seventeen last year. So you could so almost he argue miss, that he did miss ten as a rookie, okay. Yeah, you could almost argue that last year was his rookie year and you can give him a little bit of grace for that. We'll see though, because it's kind of put up or shut up time in his third year. Um because I don't think that job is is necessarily saved for him, like if this year goes poorly. Um Let's move on to the next one, though, and I'll talk a little bit about mine. Um, unless you wanted to talk at all more no, about No, go, go ahead line. and uh, um, switch to yours. Yeah, my first one that I found interesting is also on the offensive side of the football, and that was that Luke Musgrave is with the starters in pretty much every single practice. And that's 21 personnel, so that's two running backs and a tight end. Uh, 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. Like, any which way you cut it, is pretty much always Luke Musgrave out there, and he's getting a lot of looks. And to quote Jordan Love, this tweet was tweeted out by Ryan Wood, quote, he's going to be a great player. He's a lot faster than I think anybody thought. He picked up the offense really fast. He's getting a lot of reps right now, which is great for him. He's making the most of it. Um, he's looked really smooth running routes. On, and that was sorry, that was the end of the quote. And then this, the rest of this is me. Um, he's looked really smooth running routes on film. Um, I do still occasionally see him tripping over himself a little bit on out routes, but we're not going to worry about that yeah. right now. It's still and practice. A, and a couple like double catches here and there. Yeah, I think those are the those are the two big like question marks about him is balance and double catching. Um, he has been a real weapon, it seems like, in the middle of the field uh, for the Packers, which we know Green Bay has had trouble attacking in the past, and whether or not that's Rodgers' proclivity to attack the sidelines or the offense or not having the players to attack the middle of the field could be a combination of all of those things, but it definitely seems like Musgrave might be one of the keys to unlocking that middle of the field. I know it's a lot to ask a tight end in their rookie year to be a major piece of the offense, but if right, you think of it doesn't him, happen very often. No, it does not. But if you think of him as more of a receiver and less of a true tight end. I know everyone has to block in this offense, and I think I mentioned this when they drafted him. Is like if he's almost in like an Alan Lazard type role, where he's playing a lot of big slot and like just like kind of condensing down and standing up a lot, not playing with his hand in the dirt too much. I think that might be an easier transition for him from college to the pros than like a traditional tight end would have. And I mean, so far it seems like the Packers are like really ready to like just ro like roll him out there week one. And I do find it also interesting kind of tie in with that is they're not running much empty personnel at all. It seems um, as high as they were on tour. It seems like um, Reed is getting a lot of those slot snaps to start. And then they're just having Musgrave out there anyways, um, and not really running much Reed and Toure and Dobson Watson altogether. Um, they pretty much have had a tight end out there. Almost all of the starting like offensive, like, Groups that I've yeah, seen. I don't know if they've done any five wide without a t you know or anything like without a tight end or even four wide I've heard even, of, or even even four. ten personnel. It seems like they have yeah. a tight end or a fullback on the field in almost every personnel grouping. I don't know. That was so. That was something I found interesting is the heavy usage of Musgrave so far so quickly for a position that is generally hard to learn. I think it's very promising for his prospects this year, and 
you know, maybe he could be a really important weapon attacking that middle of the field. Um, did you have anything on the tight ends you wanted to talk about, about Musgrave in particular, or do you want to go to yours? Um, let's see. What did I want to say? I, I think, at least in the first practice, I was looking through the notes. Um, looked like the first time they did 12 personnel, it was um, Musgrave and, I think, DeGuara. Yeah. Maybe that if was when Kraft was hurt. If you want to call that 12 yeah. personnel. <laughs> I have not seen... I have not seen Kraft with the starters at all in any of the things that I've seen. When it's been 12 personnel, it's always been DeGuara and Musgrave. Mm-hmm. Um, and DeGuara might as well be a fullback now. So it's pretty much 21 personnel. Well, he, was with, he was with a fullback group uh, um, Which during I think is, OTAs. Which I think is good because that's pretty much his best spot. That's what he does so, best. Uh, he made, a, made a really nice one-handed grab. Uh, On air, who cares? <laughs> I, I don't care. I, oh, so, you're, so you're not putting a whole lot of weight in that diving catch that Torre made against nobody, huh? No. I, I mean, it's it's fun to watch. I enjoy I enjoy those clips getting posted. Don't get me wrong. I, I find yeah. them fun. But I'm not going to take those clips and try and prognosticate like, hey, uh, I'm he's going to be. I'm going to prognosticate that Luke Musgrave looks very smooth and fast. Again, that's that's yeah, fine, but I don't. I'm going to tell you, I would be surprised if Deguara catches anything past 30 yards down the field this year. I'd be very surprised. That would be a, yes. I don't think that's his game, but but uh, he's going to get. What about taking another like five yard screen to the house from 60 yards out? That was honestly almost more surprising. If I'm if I'm going to be honest, <laughs> like him with the ball in his hands going 70 yards, pretty surprising. I think the second largest uh, longest play of Jordan Love's career. Yeah. To yeah. only the Christian Watson play? The Christian Watson touchdown, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, go ahead with uh, your second one, though. So, let's see. So, my second one was about the sort of wide receiver for lineups, and you touched on this a little bit. It seems that um, with 12 and 21 personnel being the most common alignments to start with, I've had um, two receivers out there um, most of the time, and those have always been like Watson and Dobbs. And it always seems like Reed has had the first crack in the slot so far. Is apparently looking like really fast out there, um, looking really good. Despite all the the amount they've been pumping up Toure, when it's when they're starting in um, with with three receivers, it seems to be Reed ahead, and he's and he's been in the 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 first sort of the first starting lineup a bunch of times so far in uh, in OTAs and minicamp. I would say is this so far about. That injuries have kind of derailed a little bit of this. Like, unfortunately, I think Dubose has not participated in a single practice open to the media. And as far as I can tell, I don't know if he's and, – and I haven't heard anything. Of course, can't hear anything about whether he's participated in any of the others that the media weren't at. And do you remember – did he do anything in the rookie minicamp? He was injured for both the times – both the days of the rookie minicamp as well. I don't think – Okay. just based on the sample we have, which is those – the open OTAs to the press, rookie camp – and minicamp, he hasn't practiced in any of those. So I would assume that he has not practiced at all. That was my guess as well. Wicks has also missed some time, um, but he was back out running routes yesterday, looking pretty good. And then, but then, then apparently he dropped out of practice for a while, but then practiced again today, was back yeah. out on the field. So whatever he dropped out with yesterday wasn't too serious. And I, I think it's interesting, though, that, yes, we've had some injuries, so that might have kind of shaken up the depth chart a little bit. But so far, it seems like, since we're talking about receivers, Watson, Dobbs, which I think is locked one and two right now. I think Dobbs has actually had a really nice offseason so he's far based on what I've seen. He's been killing it. He's been, he's been like the, 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 the way ahead of last year. Yeah, as you said, we were talking about that sort of the, the starting receivers. like Even uh, Jair, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. He didn't catch a whole. He, he, he got a touch. He got a touchdown against me today. I, I don't know. If, I didn't actually listen to some of the quotes, like, but uh, so I wanted to give him a hug, and because he didn't catch a single thing against me last last year. Yeah, and Lafleur has said he's like looked incredible this off season. Like multiple players have talked about how like improved he looks. Um, specifically, Lafleur is the one that I remember off the top of my head. Um, but I think that's interesting because I definitely thought there was a world where Reed might pass him for that number two spot and Dobbs might kind of fall to the three. From that, though, Reed has seemed to be the three. Samori Torre has been the four. Malik Heath has kind of been the fifth guy, it seems like, which is very interesting. Undrafted free agent out of Ole Miss. Yeah, Not we could jump athlete, down to that. 
Um, oh, do you have that later? <laughs> I have that later. I have a okay, little. Okay, we'll talk. We'll I, talk about the Unfuzz later. We'll talk I'm about the Unfuzz with later. the most with the most buzz. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll move to mine though because I think the receivers is interesting, and I think the only thing I really wanted to add to that was that Dobbs seems to be kind of locking down that two yeah. spot when you could think that maybe Reed might jump him with the draft capital they spent on it, and maybe getting a little stronger, a little more confident. Maybe he's worked in his release package because one thing I think would really kind of um, improve his um, sort of performance in the league would be getting off press comp- press man. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not seeing too much of that probably yet in practice, but I think that was the thing that I think was going to unlock more of his potential is to, to beat um, press man coverage at the line and, and then um, be able to um, do more damage downfield. Yeah. And so my next thing is on the defensive side of the football, switching to the other side and that is that there has not been many rotations at the safety position in terms of who the starters are through the, pretty much the whole offseason, through OTAs and through um, uh, mandatory minicamp. Um, Savage and Rudy Ford have been pretty much exclusively the starters of safety. Um, I think we were both expecting more of an open competition given the fact that Savage wasn't great last year and Amos, the other uh, incumbent starter, is gone. Um, and Savage was actually benched last year for Ford, which is interesting. Um, and I think I haven't seen any of uh, Tarverius Moore, Owens, or Anthony Johnson Jr. get any reps with the ones, which is really surprising given the fact that Owens started almost every game for the Texans last year and is a plus tackler, which you'd think would cap uh, complement Savage uh, quite a bit given that Savage is not a plus tackler, uh, at least at this stage of his career, um, and would kind of help cover for some of those deficiencies. Um, and it just seemed to me that there would be a lot of open competition for that spot, given the fact that there's, I think, looking at the roster, like no clear guy where it's like, hey, this guy's proven a lot in the league. Ford had a couple picks last year and played okay at times and was a pretty good tackler for the Packers when asked to play safety, but he's been a gunner almost his whole career. I mean, they signed him off of Jacksonville's um, after Jacksonville right. cut he, him last he year. He got cut, I think, and so they were able to assign him as a street free agent, um, basically as a gunner for the special teams. and. And he looked good to that. They're like, I remember all these plays were like, he and Nixon were like around the ball. Oh, and, there. And I think it might have been preseason. It's like, ooh, this is fun. This is exciting. We might actually be able to tackle somebody after just a couple of yards instead of giving up a 50 yard return. Yeah, but now two of our starting secondary members were both gu- <laughs> primarily gunners going into last season, which I'm, I'm, I have higher hopes for Nixon than Ford. I think Ford is okay, but I just was expecting a lot more competition at that spot. What did you think, Dad? I had the same I, same thought. I, and maybe it's early. And there have been – I have a few notes on this, but I could just talk about it now. And, and maybe I'll just jump into my you know, um, overall defensive back depth chart. It's got to be what I had coming up next anyway. And so, as you said, like they're getting all the starting, all the starting. And I thought we'd have more of a chance for Owens, who has been a, pl- a starter – and a solid tackler, and Moore, who's been a starter before. It seems like mostly I've heard about Moore during OTAs being kind of the safety three. So who's safety three then? So I, I think it was Moore for a while, and then at minicamp where I guess Moore missed some time, hearing a little, started hearing a little bit of a shout-out for Owens getting some um, burn today. I think uh, – and Bill Huber wrote something for an article about uh, the first minicamp that the Packers seem to be high on um, – on Jonathan Owens. Mm-hmm. And Johnson seems to be behind both of them right now. And maybe yeah. not surprisingly. Not surprisingly. I mean, he's a rookie. And both and both, both uh, Moore and Owens have had a, a lot of snaps in the NFL already. Yeah. And, and not surprisingly, given that he's like, he's a seventh round rookie. I think, you know, maybe as the season goes on. And he's only played, he only played safety one season in college. Like, he has yeah. by far the least experience of anyone on the roster at the position. So... I'm not terribly surprised. I was definitely hopeful for him to be getting maybe a crack at it. I know a lot of people yeah, are really and, high and on Ennis him. Ennis Gaines got some reps. I think that he was at safety today, right? Uh, slot like corner. In the twos. Oh, that was a slot corner. Okay. Yeah, Gaines was at slot. So not with the not with the safeties that I saw, at least. The one the tweet about him that I saw was with him um, playing slot, and they were talking about how that versatility might help him make the team. Um, did you want to go ahead and talk about your defensive back depth chart as your next thing to talk yeah, about? Yeah, so that was, that was part of it. So that... The, the, there seems to be a battle right now for the third safety, at least. And I think it's between Moore and Owens right now. So for the corner group, who's cornerback four while Stokes is out? 
You've got, you know, Jair and Rasul and Nixon locking down the slot. Well, I think, and it, from I think it's like, I've, it seems like it's Valentine already. From what I've seen, I that's not what I had taken away from it. From what I had seen, I think it kind of depended on who was there. Because I think we saw mm. when when Jair and Rasul were not there, we saw a lot of Shamar John Charles on the outside. Um, we saw some Valentine on the outside. And we saw some... Shoot, who was the other one? I am having trouble remembering off the top of my head. But I know we saw a lot of Shamar John Charles on the outside uh, when Jair and Rasul were not true. there. I, I kind of forgot about that. Digging in deeper about when they weren't there. Now, Shamar playing outside is a little bit of a surprise. I think they I think they you know, drafted him to play in the slot, but I think he mostly played outside in college at App State, right? No, I think I would actually say that he played a good mix outside and inside. At, I think he played a good amount inside at, at Appalachian State, and a lot of people were saying he was going to be mostly an inside guy coming out of college. You can check that, um, fact check that for me if you want. Um, might be handy, but I'll, and I'll vamp for a second. Last year... Um, in the preseason and when he was asked to play, he did play some outside corner, especially in preseason. Now, we got to remember he was hurt almost all of last year um, with, I don't even remember what, but he missed like seven straight weeks or something like that. But he played. I don't know um, what that injury was. He played a good amount of outside in the preseason um, and looked pretty good doing it, I thought. He has um, yeah. the strength to do it. Sorry, do you want to go ahead? Yes, yeah, so that's that was maybe his best physical trait was uh, the bench, right? Yes, he was very was strong and not, but not very fast. So, at, in college, his um, his last two years playing the corner, so probably PFF as corner, which is outside. So slot. Um, start, so let me start with slot. Slot. Senior year, twelve snaps. Junior year, sixteen snaps. Mm-hmm. Outside corner, 631 snaps and 736 snaps. Okay, so almost so exclusively a boundary corner in, in college. But they felt like his size and and speed maybe would fit better to the slot, as I recall, when they first drafted him. Yeah, and maybe – so, okay, I was wrong, I was wrong there. Like, mia culpa. Um, but I will say they, that the projection from him coming out of college, like you were saying, was slot corner, um, like a mainly slot only because of that lack of speed and lack of size. Um, I think the, what – is interesting though is he did play a good amount of outside in preseason last year and I thought looked pretty good doing it and so and I was just looking up while you were doing that um, I was just looking at when Jair and Rasul were not there they had Ballantyne and Shamar John Charles on the outside with Nixon in the slot according to Andy Herman um, so I I would be surprised um. If if I, I would say at least Shamar John Charles seems ahead of ahead of Valentine for now, and then Valentine with a B as in boy might be ahead of Valentine with a V as in Victor, uh, for now at least. Although it does seem like Valentine with a V as in Victor is making a lot more noise around. <laughs> he's um, making a little more practices. noise in mini. Maybe in maybe in the mini camp now he's making a little more noise. And and in OTAs, um, there were definitely a couple days of OTAs where they were saying that he like made a couple pass breakups on Dobbs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think it's wrong to say that he could definitely be passing those guys already. But just in terms of who was playing when Jay and Russell weren't there, it was John Charles and Ballantyne. Um, should I go on to my next one? Uh, yeah, why don't you go on to your next one now? Yeah, my next one is, this was just today. Um, so it's not really a trend like our other ones have been. But I just found it so interesting. Um, and Andy Herman did as well. That's why he tweeted it out. Um, but... So they've been starting in nickel almost exclusively on defense. Uh, Savage and Ford at safety, Jair and Rasul on the outside, Keyshawn Nixon slot corner, um, Devondre Campbell at middle linebacker with Quay Walker also a middle linebacker, and then Preston Smith, um, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, and Justin Hollins or Enigbare or sometimes, not very often, but Lucas Van Ness sometimes at that other edge rusher spot. But anyway, at nickel. But... Today, when they switched from nickel to penny, and penny is essentially bringing off a linebacker from that set and putting in a defensive lineman in that set, they opted to take Campbell off the field and put uh, Wyatt on the field. And not so much the, the interesting part of putting Wyatt on the field, 
But to have Quay Walker as your solo linebacker in those scenarios, I think is fairly interesting given the fact that Campbell usually wears the green dot. He's the captain. He's more experienced. He's been a first team all pro. And I would just say that that is very interesting to me that they would opt to have Quay as the single solo linebacker. I was just wondering what you thought like advantages might be from that. Do you think it's a one-time thing? I know it was just a one-time thing in practice, but it's interesting nonetheless. It's very interesting. Maybe maybe they're just testing it out to see how it works right now. But because uh, Quay seemed to be having trouble with, you know, coordinating everything, especially in the beginning. And maybe they're getting maybe they're getting more comfortable and they, they like his athleticism. And they want to have a, try try him out as well. Or maybe they're just testing it. See, is this going to work? Or is this something we only try out in off season and never, I want to never see that again. Well, the interesting part to me is personally, I feel like Campbell's best play has come when he's the only linebacker. This was the thing about last year when he, when he came in and says, by chance to be Batman, not be Robin, I, and he even said he does better when he's like the solo linebacker out, out there. Well, and then I they know, drafted a big, second linebacker to well, have him well, his, start his all the big time. Thing, his big thing was like he wanted to play middle line, like Mike linebacker. He didn't want to be the will. He wanted to be mm-hmm. like the main Mike linebacker. And I don't think that was necessarily about wanting to be the solo linebacker on the field. It was just that he wanted to play Mike and he wanted the opportunity to be like the guy there. And I think it's fine for. I think he wasn't saying he wanted to be the solo. But I think just with our eyes, we can see he was always. He, he at least played better the last two years when he was the only linebacker on the field. So it's interesting to me that in those only linebacker sets, they're going with Quay when I feel like Campbell's best best football has been as in Penny looks. Like, that has been his best football. Yeah. The other thing I would say that's kind of interesting about this whole thing, that so in Penny, they've got Kenny and Slayton and Wyatt out there. But in Nickel... It's Kenny and Slayton. Yeah. It's not Kenny and Wyatt. I'm so, not surprised. So when they only have two down linemen, their preference right now seems to be um, TJ Slayton Ken- and, and Kenny, Kenny Clark. Clark. Well, I'm not. And that I maybe mean, when they have – so maybe their base defense, which they will play, what, 10% of the time? I don't <laughs> – is will be Wyatt, Slayton, and uh, Kenny Clark. Well, it's interesting to me because – I mean, it doesn't surprise me too much because Slayton was ahead of Wyatt last season two on the depth chart. But it is it is a little at least interesting that Wyatt as a first rounder. We're still hoping can. that Wyatt's going to make a big jump this year as a first rounder last year, right? I mean, and, yeah, we're and hoping. I think yep. I think it's I think it's at least partially an indictment of Jerry Montgomery if he's not, because you're yeah. getting you're getting things to work with here, like. Let's let's get this show on the road. Like we're in, yeah. investing in the defensive line. Like it's your speaking job to which, make them good. Speaking of investing in the defensive line, the other thing that's kind of interesting that we don't have in our notes even is we're talking about the defensive line and where to put this, that Colby Wooden yes. is the next man up in the defensive line already. Yeah, and he's of course, getting work with the ones. Who else is there? But he's we, getting some work. Hey, he's even getting work I with the ones. I said that. I said that last time. Of course, who's there? You're stealing my jokes. <laughs> um, but no, it, I, I think it's that's, good. That is a long tradition. In in the the, in the annals of of uh, comedy. comedy, yes, you're right. There's nothing more traditional than stealing than stealing jokes, but I think it is interesting. I'm not that surprised. I think the main takeaway is that he's getting work with the ones, which is good. He's not just stuck with the twos as the next man up. Um, and they've just been rotating him in Sans injury, so he's just been getting reps, not just to fill in for guys. He's getting reps as like a piece that they seem to think is going to get playing time, which is good. Um, beyond that, uh, do you want to go to your next one? Or do you have anything else along the D line you want to talk about? That was the main thing I wanted to add add to the D line was a bit about Colby Wooden getting uh, getting those reps. The other thing I want to take is just sort of the defense as a whole. So, a lot of what we've been hearing about oh, great play by the offense, great diving catch by Dobbs for a touchdown, um, Musgrave catching the ball and making plays up the up the team. Well, now I think mini camps coming along, the defense is saying, just wait a minute. <laughs> Time well, for things to get real. Well, so they had, they had, have, they, it helps. It helps when you have your two starting. When you have corners, your two starting. It could help. Your two starting quarters. Yeah, this was like, always like this. Like, okay, I want to see how it, how this offense looks when we when they're going against the top corners. So, you know, we so just like this, like they had like the, the 
and even in, in the minicast, so like the pass to Mus- passes to Musgrave up the seam, even despite tight coverage get, uh, by Ford, I think, yesterday. Yeah, we and had the a, 96, there was a... Go ahead. And the 96-yard touchdown to Watson that happened in the second day of... Uh, uh, yeah, so this was kind of a success. But now, that thing's going on. Today, I think, or maybe it was just, Love was only one of six passing in seven-on-sevens per Bill Huber of SI. Though he did do better. Um, and the one completion was that touchdown to Dobbs against very tight, apparently really good coverage from Jair. I think that would have been and yesterday then. He was, then. That um, was yesterday, right? Was this is yesterday where there's one one for six with just the touchdown. And though he did better, six six in the third down session. Now today we had interception by Campbell in the walk during like uh, walkthroughs during walkthrough. And, yeah, but then the first, but both of the like two minute drills ended in picks. First team, um, Love threw a pick to Jair. I think it was um, intended for Watson. Yeah, Love, con- then... Love contends that they were going to tackle him and get the ball back after that. Did you see the the video of, <laughs> of uh, Did you see the video of Jair messing with him after the during the I interview? S- I saw. I didn't watch the video. I saw that Jair kind of jumped in while they're interviewing. It's funny. Um, and he says like, like I saw it was like QB one here. This is QB one. He said QB one, best QB1, quarterback in the league. Best quarterback hey, in the league. Tell him not to try me, though, was what he, end, was what he ended up with. I missed the tell him not to try me, though, because he might be the best quarterback in the league, but I'm the best cornerback in the league. Yeah, and you, you should go watch the video because it's very funny. I'll, uh, I think I retweeted it on the Father Son Packer account, at Father Son Packer on Twitter, if anyone I'll wants to I'll have to, find to watch it. the rest of that little clip. And then, and then the, the, the second team, the backups, also ended their two-minute drill with a pick from Sean Clifford to Innes Gaines. I was going to say, and I think it was that Gaines. was a deflected ball... And I don't remember who was targeted on that play, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, so the, yes. so the defense like forcing turnovers and a lot of incompletions in minicamp. Now that the starting corners are here, you know, right? It's funny how that works, huh? Um, the interesting thing for me on that is they are getting some explosive plays, like that ninety-six yard one to, to, to Watson, and apparently nobody was near him. I mean, no one's as fast as him on the team. He's by right. far the fastest player. Nobody, on the team. nobody was going to get catch up to him after he caught it either. Apparently, in a, stride, beautiful pass. A, a couple of busted coverages. Um, it sounds like for the defense, and that's the that's like the only worrying thing is like, hey, that was a the bugaboo beginning of last year. That was for the whole season. I mean, okay, you remember? I'm being, I was being overly kind. I mean, to me, the one that immediately jumps to mind is the Jalen Waddle like ninety-six yard touchdown on like the second play of the game versus Miami. Um, do you remember that one? I do. When he's cr- with the crossing he's r- route runs across the field. So let's see. I'm going to hand this guy off to nobody, and yep. then he's going to get to the sideline and dash up there while the Packers players run into each other trying to close off the uh, the sideline. That's beautiful. And, but of course, that's still just a stick in my head. Even though I was able to, but the the game against the Vikings, where they're just running wide open all over the field, yeah, in the first game of the year, it, it it was amazing. It really was. Um, my next thing uh for the Packers, um, is I actually found it pretty interesting that uh Hollins has seemed to take over the third edge rusher spot. Um, if you remember, Hollins is a guy that was signed kind of off the Rams practice squad. No, last I think year. they cut him. Oh, or did they cut him? Okay, but anyway, we I think pretty they much... cut Hollins last year. The Rams did, and the Packers were able to scoop him up. Okay, thank you for that. Um, but they they scooped him up from the Rams um, toward the end of last year, like back half of the year. Um, and he actually had some really nice moments. He's a elite athlete, um, but had never really been more than just like a rotational guy in the NFL level. Um, I think it's like it's like fourth or fifth year in the league or something like that. Um, but it's interesting because it seems like today he was working across from Preston Smith while Gary is still not back um, uh, over guys like Enigbare, who was ahead of him in the um, depth chart last year, over guys like Van Ness, who was a first-round pick this past, like this season, is a rookie first-round pick who they expect a lot of things from. And, you know, we've seen Enigbare and um, Van Ness, like, rotate their way in to that number one, like, to those uh, that number three spot alongside Preston Smith. So it's not like we haven't seen them. I just find it interesting that Hollins has made it that high up the depth chart where he was essentially getting first crack at that starting edge rusher spot um, with an asterisk since Gary is out. Gary will have that spot when he's back. Um, But he's essentially getting first crack at that spot in these mini camps. And I just found that interesting that they're going that route. Dad, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, I was I was surprised at that because I also feel like Holland seems to me maybe before this a little vulnerable for his roster spot. You think? I thought well, he was too good to be vulnerable. You can never have too many edge rushers. It kind of depends. Uh, um, it's 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 an unlikely scenario, I should say. But I could I, I should say vulnerable is not the right word. I could, however, see a path where he doesn't make the team. If Brenton Cox, for example, looks really good, but would you say that now today, seeing that he was the third maybe guy? not anymore? This, this is right. a little bit different. This is before. This is what I was thinking a couple weeks ago that you have Van Ness, Preston, Gary, Enigbare, and then if you had Cox, right. would that be your five with the ability to have, say, Brooks play a little bit of edge as well? Only on the goal line. Yeah. Put him in as a 300-pound edge on running plays. Yeah. But I, it seems like Hollins is further along than that. Yeah. Which is it, at least very further up the depth chart. Further up the depth, depth chart than that. I thought that Enigbare would 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 be ahead of him right now. Same. That, that, that's, I, that, that's the part that's probably the most surprising, is I thought that at this point of the season, Enigbare would be ahead of him. I thought at this point in the series season, Lucas Van Ness would be pretty much that locked too. into that spot, and that, 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 would, Ho- that Hollins would be four. Yeah, with right that's now. without Gary. That Hollins would be four, and right. and that's it's kind of surprising that he's he's two without Gary, which is is shocking to me. And that was the the next piece I had. Um, Dad, you had uh, one more, right? One more to go. I had one more little bit, and that was like I'd close with the most buzz, and I've kind of we've mentioned them both already. Um, Bretton Cox got a shout out from LaFleur when he was asked who were kind of outstanding players during OTAs. He did not, it wasn't even like outstanding Udfuss. He said Cox uh, got a, outstanding rookies was outstanding, the yes, question. Outstanding, okay, outstanding rookies. But it was Cox, Wooden, Van Ness. Van Ness and Brooks. And Brooks. Pretty yeah, much so the, whole D, got, the whole D-line. He's the, the whole D-line's line. looking good. Was was uh, yeah? Who, who was, say, who was playing off? offensive who's, line? Who's playing that offensive line again? And then the <laughs> other one. Check the tape. <laughs> is uh, Malik Keith, as you mentioned, he keeps popping up on the Twitter feed. You guys make like, almost every day that people are watching. He's making some kind of play, and he's had a lot more buzz so far this spring than than Bo Melton, who you know I don't know if I've heard anything from. And he's a guy I was penciling in as a starter, as a, not a starter, but. A, Making the fifty-three as the seventh receiver, so Heath maybe Heath's already ahead of him. And well, you mentioned something about Heath is he was actually more productive in college last year for Mississippi State than second round pick, right? Second round pick, yeah, Jonathan Mingo. So him and Jonathan Mingo, Mingo both went to Ole Miss together. Um, oh, right. Yeah, did I say Mississippi State? I think Ooh, you might have. You might somebody, get in trouble. Somebody's in trouble gonna. I'm gonna get hate mail now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and I'm trying to pull up because Mingo did miss a lot of last season um, with uh, with Ole Miss. I think he got hurt early in the season. Um, but Malik Heath was actually the leading receiver for Ole Miss uh, last year, I believe. Um, and I'm trying to see if it was the last two years. Um, and let me just pull this up. But I just think that's interesting. Do you want to talk a little bit about Brenton Cox while I pull up the Malik Heath stuff? Yeah, so Brenton Cox, we've mentioned him a couple times as he's almost he's a bit of a steal as a UDFA because of, well, behavioral problems, really. He had the talent to be drafted, maybe like a fourth rounder. or After his freshman year, people thought he might be one of the best players in the SEC um, by the time he was done. Um, but he managed to get himself kicked out of Georgia. Um, and it's unclear exactly why. He had had some issues and smoked some weed, which, well, if he was in California, who cares? And then he was on Florida. And at least what we know is he got into a fight with a Georgia player on the field, former teammate, um, Broderick Jones. I don't know for sure. Offens- I don't it was an offensive lineman uh, on Georgia, I believe. Um, and then not too long after that, he got kicked out. Is that the only thing or last straw? I don't know. But if he can like mature and keep his nose clean, he's got like 
decent burst and closing speed if you watch his highlights in terms of if he's got a, a, a route to the quarterback, he closes on him fast. So he could be some quality edge depth if he, uh, you know, keeps set on straight. Yeah, and I'm just pulling up the Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo stuff. So Mingo and Heath both played the same number of games last year for Ole Miss, 13 games. You might have gotten confused, however, because Malik Heath actually played two seasons at Mississippi State and then transferred to Ole Miss. So that's something. He must be hated by Mississippi State fans. Yeah, they must not like him very much. (laughs) But both of them played 13 games, and Malik Heath had over 100 more receiving yards and nine more catches. Um, along with the uh, same number of touchdowns. So he actually outperformed Mingo when they were both at um, Ole Miss together. And Mingo was essentially top of the second round. I think he was like a top five pick in the second round, top 50 pick. So that's just something to keep in mind. If like if you want to get excited about Malik Heath, there's definitely something there you could get excited about. Yeah, I'm wondering, I'm trying to remember now, that maybe Mingo was the first wide receiver of the second round taken? Yes. He was pretty, right? He was taken yeah. before Reed was. Yes, he was the first receiver of the second round, fifth receiver taken overall, I believe. Um, you know, so not nothing, and Malik Keith outplayed him. And then my last thing, as we're getting a little long here on time, is that Anders Carlson is looking pretty solid. Um, obviously, it is just mini, it is just a mini camp. Um, we we didn't see him at all really during OTAs, the open OTAs. We just saw him during mini camp. Um, one of those days was indoors, and one was outdoors. Um, he went five of six in the indoor session, missing from uh, 44, but with two makes past 50 yards. And then he went six of six today. Uh, no long kicks uh, past 50 yards, but made all of his kicks. So overall, 11 of 12. Um, hey, I'll take it. You know, that's pretty yeah, good. And, and I think, uh, did you mention that uh, LaFleur said he's like really got a lot of leg? He's like booting it. Yeah. I mean, he's a big guy. You so, see some of the high, yeah, and you see some of the the tape, which I don't know how far away he was kicking from, but that ball is hitting way up on the wall inside the the Don Hudson Center during uh, um, the first um, mini camp practice when when they're inside. Yeah, so one thing about I was going to say Mingo versus Malik Heath. So yeah, one reason why I think they're drafted differently is oh, it's their, the athleticism, uh, their rass. It's the, yes, yeah, it's the Mingo's rass is nine eight seven, and Heath's is six five eight. Yeah, no. Malik Heath is not a plus athlete. I think Mingo he's, in he's some ways big... I think Mingo in some ways is capitalizing on the DK Metcalf thing, where Metcalf was this big athletic freak at Ole Miss, same college, um, look really similar like in the in the helmet in the uniform, both built to like just jacked and massive athletes, and I think Mingo's benefiting from that somewhat. But but I think Mingo's not as big, I don't think, and not as fast as uh DK It would be Metcalf. hard to be. It's yes. yeah, but. <laughs> but but Heath is also a big guy. He's he's a big body, but not very fast receiver. Yeah, is good possession really receiver. His... We'll see. Yeah, um, so we'll see do you have anything? Does. Do you have anything else you want to say on Carlson, or should we wrap up? Um, no, I just say that the the deep dive for some hopium on Carlson. Maybe it's all going to come true. Maybe. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our breakdown of minicamp and OTAs for the Packers. Uh, we really appreciate it. Like we said, if you like what you heard, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. Come check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Father Son Packers Podcast. We really appreciate a follow and a subscribe. It would really help our numbers. We'll be doing an episode here every single week um, through the off season, and then two a week once the season starts. We're really excited for that. Really excited to see what Jordan Love might bring. Really excited to see what these rookies have got going for them. So come give us a listen. We'll be along for the ride with you. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.